April 9th. Our reading today in the New Testament will be from Luke chapter 13. We'll highlight tragedy, hypocrisy, and opportunity. Let me uh, give you a brief overview. In verses 1 through 9 in Luke 13, how easy it is to ask questions about others' tragedies and fail to learn the lessons they teach. You know, the big question is not, why do people die in tragic and seemingly meaningless ways? But the real question is, why does God keep me alive? Am I really worth it? Am I bearing fruit or just taking up space? Of course, you're worth it simply because you're made in God's image. Verses 10 through 17 will spotlight hypocrisy. The hypocrite here is the ruler of the synagogue. He was a hypocrite because he treated animals better than he treated people. And we keep doing the same thing even today in modern times. Suppose the woman, uh, the woman that Jesus heals, uh, did come to the synagogue on another day. Uh, could that ruler of the synagogue have healed her then? Of course not. And, of course, we wonder how many uh, needy people come to church meetings looking for love and, and help and then go away disappointed. There was an old saying, yesterday is a canceled check, tomorrow is a promissory note, today is the only cash you have, so invest it wisely. And then uh, on to opportunity. God's kingdom is at work in this world, but many people fail to take advantage of their opportunities. Instead of entering the kingdom, some people only ask questions about it continually. Listen, salvation is not a theory to discuss. It's a miracle to experience. No wonder Jesus wept when he saw sinners passing by their opportunities to be saved. Hey, don't wait for opportunities to come. They're right in front of us today. Now they're already here. And with that, let's begin our reading in the New Testament for today. April 9th, Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 21. About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were sacrificing at the temple in Jerusalem. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than other people from Galilee? he asked. Is that why they suffered? Not at all and you will also perish unless you turn from your evil ways and turn to God. And what about the eighteen men who died when the tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No, and I tell you again, that unless you repent, you will also perish. Then Jesus used this illustration. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again, to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years, and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's taking up space we can use for something else. The gardener answered, Give it one more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, you can cut it down. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who'd been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for eighteen years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised and thanked God! 
But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, You hypocrite! You work on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from their stalls on the Sabbath and lead them out for water? Wasn't it necessary for me, even on the Sabbath day, to free this dear woman from the bondage in which Satan had held her for eighteen years? This shamed his enemies, and all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things he did. Then Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds come and find shelter among its branches. He also asked, What else is the kingdom of God like? It is like yeast used by a woman making bread. Even though she used a large amount of flour, the yeast permeated every part of the dough. And it's simply staggering that God would ordain, now get this, that God, the sovereign ruler of the universe, would ordain that prayers cause things. They do. Prayer. Prayers cause things to happen that would not happen if you didn't pray. I wonder if any Calvinists out there squirming. Listen to this. When James 4.2 says, You do not have because you do not ask. That does not mean you would have anyway, even if you didn't ask, because i got a plan. <laughs> the verse doesn't mean the opposite of what it says. It says you have not because you ask not. That means prayer causes things to happen that wouldn't happen if you didn't pray. This is why this is a staggeringly glorious privilege to be taken by the sovereign God of the universe who runs all things according to his infinite wisdom and folded in to his causality. This is breathtaking. If you do not avail yourself of the privilege of bringing to pass events in the universe that would not take place if you didn't pray, you are acting like a colossal fool. Aren't you? I'm just thinking logically here. If you are offered the privilege of engaging with God in such a way that your request could bring into being things that would not otherwise come into being, not to avail yourself of that privilege is folly of the highest or lowest order. That's why we pray. 
God is beckoning us into our share in the running of the universe. Do you not know that you will judge angels? Do you know who you are, child of God? Today we're still reading from Psalm 78, this very long psalm. It reviews uh, almost the entire history of Israel, uh, the exodus, their wilderness journey, uh, the conquest of Canaan, and the disciplines that God sent uh, there as they were in Canaan. It's the nation's true history, and it's a record not only of how the people treated one another, but of how they uh, treated God. God's answer to Israel's needs, as we have seen, is to give them a spiritual leader. What are all histories but God manifesting Himself? Psalm 78, verses 65 through 72. Then the Lord rose up as though waking from sleep. Like a mighty man aroused from a drunken stupor, He routed His enemies and sent them to eternal shame. But He rejected Joseph's descendants. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. He chose instead the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. There he built his towering sanctuary, as solid and enduring as the earth itself. He chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens. He took David from tending the ewes and lambs, and made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people, Israel. He cared for them with a true heart and led them with skillful hands. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up.